walking downtown, and, and a lady come walking out from a, a restaurant with her purse wide open. And she's walking down the street like this with her purse wide open, and people are just kind of looking at her. I, I figured I just better say something. I said, ma'am, what are you, why are you walking around with your purse open? And she said, well, I, I wanted to see if there was any change in the weather. So, made sense to me. Sense, change. I can't take credit for that. Judah told me that at dinner time and wanted me to share it. So, and hey, my nephew Alexander is sitting up here in the front row. I want to say hi to him. Hi, Alexander. <laughs> oh, God is good. Well, have you read any good books lately? Like what? Bible. Bible, That's a good book. The good book. What else? Give me some titles. Deadly Emotions. Deadly Emotions. Ooh, that sounds deadly. What else? Jesus the Healer. Jesus the Healer. Driven by Eternity. Driven by Eternity. Good. Ooh, that's good. I like that. What is it? Torture for Christ. Wow. The magic of thinking big. I like to read. One of the things that our family, we like to do as a family is we'll read together. We'll pick a a good book and we'll sit and read in the evenings. And one of my favorite books that we've read together as a family is called Where the Red Fern Grows. How many people have read Where the Red Fern Grows? Have read Where the Red Fern Grows. Great story. It's a classic. But it's a story of a boy who really wants some hunting dogs. And he, say, he works hard and saves up his money to get these hunting dogs. And he wants to go coon hunting. And he trains these dogs to go coon hunting. And he goes on these adventures with his dogs. And they enter a competition. And I won't tell you the end. But I'll tell you, we read through that book. And by the end, we were sitting there crying like babies. It's a, it was a very moving story. And uh, it was quite a funny picture. I wish we had a picture. I was on the couch. <laughs> All six of us just bawling our eyes out. But reading is a good thing. Do anybody anybody have an idea how many books, how many books are sold in the United States in one year's time? Any guesses? Million, billion? Well, this is an old figure. I need some water. In 2006... There were 3.1 billion books sold. Isn't that amazing? That's about nine or ten books for every man, woman, and child in America. That's a lot of books. Why are books so popular? Why do they sell so many books? Can't imagine how many books are sold in the world. Oh, what's in books? Chapters? Pages. What are books made of? Someone said it. Words. Have you ever thought about what words really are? Words are the expression of the author's heart. See? Words are much more than vowels or consonants. Words are the expression of the author's heart. And within the heart of man, God has put eternity. God has put destiny. And when someone expresses their heart well, 
many people want to hear it. Many people want to buy it and experience it. So words are the apparatus that we use to express what's in our heart. Right? That's why books sell. Now, God has written a best-selling book. Anybody know what that is? The Bible, absolutely. Best-selling book of all time. Did you know that? All-time bestseller. By the billions. I mean, it far surpasses any other book by the billions. Oh, it's four or five billion or what it is, just way, way out there in front. Why has the Bible spread like wildfire? For the same reason other books have been sold. It is the expression of the heart of the author. Now, when you have an author like God and a heart that's pure and holy, everyone wants a part of that. You see? Now, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we read the rest of chapter 1, and we realize that the Scriptures are talking about Jesus Christ. We could say it this way, Jesus Christ is the published expression of the heart of God. God the Father published His life through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's a bestseller. Well, the title of tonight's message is The Bestseller. But I'm not referring to the Bible because you need to know something. God's written another best-selling book. Did you know that? The best-selling book that I'm referring to is you. You are the other best-selling book that God has written. And He desires to publish His life through you. That everyone who comes in contact with you would experience Him. Isn't that wonderful? You're God's best-seller. When we talk about you, the best-selling book of you, we're really talking about your destiny. You do know that you have a destiny, don't you? Luke Skywalker isn't the only one with a destiny. I want you to know that. You have a destiny. You have a place that God has called you to stand. God has designed you to be somebody and, and the plot of the best-selling book of you, the storyline has never been told before. It's unique. It's the unfolding and fulfillment of your destiny. I wonder how many people go through life and never fulfill their God-given destiny. Did you know that it's impossible to know and to understand and to experience and to fulfill your destiny apart from a relationship with God? Impossible. Because He's the author of it. See, God the Father is the author 
of the best-selling book of you. God the Son is the prototype and the finisher of your story. God the Holy Spirit is the narrator, the editor, and the publisher of the best-selling book of you. Apart from Him, you cannot know and understand and fulfill your destiny. Now, I did not say that you could not be a success in the eyes of the world. You can be. Even that's by the grace of God. But you can be successful in the eyes of the world and never fulfill your God-given destiny. Many, many have achieved what the world would say is success, but have died empty and broken and never fulfilled their God-given destiny. You are uniquely designed by the author to fulfill this unique purpose and destiny. Let's read about the best-selling book of you. Let's read your plot, your storyline. Let's open up the best-selling book to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Now it's important to understand something. The, your God-given destiny, we're going to read about it in Psalm 139, is not automatic. It will not automatically happen. If it was up to God, it would. See, God is for you. He wants you to fulfill your, your destiny. In fact, He's made overwhelmingly abundant provision for you to fulfill your destiny. But it's really up to me and you, right? It's up to us to fulfill that thing. And boy, there's nothing to be afraid of. He's got an abundant grace to enable us to do that. But you have to understand, this is not an automatic thing. It's not uh, what will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Doesn't work, okay? If you go through life, que sera, que sera, you might get que sera right in the behind by something you weren't expecting, not by God. Okay, Psalm 139, I want to read it. Out of the NIV first, and then out of the message. Verse 1. O Lord, your author, right? You have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed, you do make your bed every morning, don't you? If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand 
will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Everyone say that. I am wonderful. I'm glad you think so. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. I was not an accident, a mistake. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Listen closely. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be the bestseller. Verse 2, starting in verse 2, the message translation. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. (laughs) Your reassuring presence coming and going. See, the presence of God is not a frightening thing. It's a reassuring thing. So if you're frightened about what's coming or your future, it's because you're unfamiliar with the reassuring presence of the Father. The future is not frightening when you're seeking Him. It's thrilling. This is too much. Too wonderful, it says in verse 6. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Have you ever felt like that? That you got so far from God and then you realize He's right there with you all along? Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in his light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes. You shaped me first inside. Then out, you formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. 
I worship in adoration. What a creation. Look at yourself and say that. What a creation. Good. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place right now. Holy Spirit ministered every heart. Speak, Lord. Speak to your people, to everyone within the sound of my voice, that they would know you as the one who knit them together in their mother's womb, the author of their destiny, that they would know your reassuring presence in every facet of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So important to understand how wonderful God is. And because He's wonderful, what He makes is wonderful. He made you. A equals B equals C. Therefore, you're wonderful. Do you follow that? God's wonderful. What He makes is wonderful. He made you. You're wonderful. And the destiny that he has for your life is, as my friend Joan would say, is more than wonderful. But it's important to know that it is not automatic. That we have to choose to walk that path. Let's talk about making that choice. The path to the fulfillment of your destiny doesn't begin in college, doesn't begin on your job. It begins with the realization of the wonderfulness of God and the decision to give your whole self to him. Every part of you. Every part. Until you do that, you're not on that path. You may have glimmerings of it, a taste of it here and there, but until you choose to give the wonderful God all that you are, you're not on that path. Every dream, every hope, every ambition, every desire, every thought to Him. 
I like reading about Jesus. I can't get enough of that. God's best-selling book in the flesh. The expression of the author's heart, the published expression of God. When people saw him, they were amazed by how he lived. They saw a, a destiny man. And there was one teacher of Israel that was afraid to talk to this destiny man because he was afraid of what the other teachers of Israel would say. So he comes to Jesus by night in John chapter 3 and he stares at this destiny man. And he says, no man could live like you. No man could do the miracles you do. No man could walk the way that you walk unless God were with him. And Jesus said something to him that many have yet to understand. He said, I tell you that unless you are born again, you cannot live like I do. You cannot see, you cannot experience the kingdom of God. You cannot live life the way God has designed you to live. You cannot fulfill your destiny. You must be born again. This religious man wasn't, would never heard such a thing. He was an expert in religious teachings and he never heard such a thing. In fact, it caused his brain to go tilt and he said, what are you talking about? I'm an old man. How am I going to be born again? I crawled back into my mother's womb and he didn't understand what, what the destiny man was saying to him. He was talking about his inner man, his heart, saying your spirit must be made new through faith in me. You see, the path to your destiny begins with the acceptance of Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. There is no other path. There is no other way. See, that's good news. Some would take that as, as saying, well, you're being closed-minded. Or that's a narrow way of thinking. I look at it in the opposite way. I think, thank you, God, that I don't have to search and search and search and wonder and try so many different things to find the path. There's only one way. That's a good news, right? If you're lost, right, and there's only one way, that's a good thing, right? If you, if, you, if you know the way to where you're going, that's a good thing. And God has shown us the way. In fact, Jesus, the man of destiny, said, I am the way to the fulfillment of your destiny. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the author of your destiny but through me. No one comes to the one whose reassuring presence knit you together in your mother's womb, but through me. That's good news. But we miss out on this reality oftentimes because we have a, a, man, a man's religion view of Christianity. We view being born again or being a Christian oftentimes by how we were, we were taught or not taught growing up. And we think of Christianity as a heaven or hell thing when it's not. True biblical Christianity is a relationship with the author of your destiny thing. In fact, the destiny man, Jesus himself, the, author, the, the finisher, 
the prototype of the best-selling book of you. He said, this is eternal life, that they might know you, and that word know is a Jewish idiom, as a husband knows a wife. Complete oneness. He's saying this is what Christianity is all about, a living, real-life relationship with the author of our destiny. See, many Christians have this forgiveness of sin view of Christianity. And all they've given to God is the forgiveness of sin part of their heart. And when they think of Christianity, they think I'm forgiven of my sins and someday I'm going to heaven. Well, that's wonderful. But that's a very shallow place to live in. Because there's so much more that God has for you. Thank God that we're forgiven of our sins. Thank God we'll be in heaven. But that's not what it's all about. It's about knowing Him daily. Progressively knowing Him more with the passing of each day. See? So get away from that forgiveness of sin, I'm going to heaven, shallow kind of thinking, and dive out into the depths of the author of your destiny. And begin to swim in the deep. Begin to experience the life that He has for you. See, God has specific things that will change your life each day. And oftentimes it's just a little shift on the inside in the way you're looking at a situation. But you'll miss it if all you know about Christianity is your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven someday. You'll live just like everybody else lives, just waiting for the afterlife. But right now, God wants to speak to you about right now. Heaven's going to be wonderful. It's where we all want to be, but we're not there yet. However, the kingdom of God is within us. And now the king wants to speak to you. Today, at this moment, He is, isn't He? I feel Him. I feel the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes. Let Him speak to your heart. Don't be afraid. Feel His reassuring presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The best-selling book of you, the beginning of the unfolding of that book, is giving all that you are to Him. Every talent, every gift, every ability, every hope, every dream. So Jesus teaches us that our destiny begins with a relationship with the Father. This is eternal life. This is that everlasting life He came to give us. And our motivation for knowing God is not heaven or hell. That may have been your motivation to come to know Him. You didn't want to go to hell. And that's a good motivation. You'd be a fool to want to go there. No matter what you've been through on earth, I hear people saying, I've been through hell. You haven't been through hell. Believe me. Nothing you've ever experienced even comes close to comparing to hell. Don't use that term. You get used way too much. All hell hasn't broke loose in your life, please. I don't care what, if you're standing in the middle of the battlefield in World War II, all hell has not broken loose in your life. Hell is unimaginable suffering, okay? So if you chose to come to God because you don't want that, that's good. But don't stay in that shallow place. 
See, the, the motivation that will propel you on the path of your destiny is this. I want more of you constantly. I want to know you more and more and more. I want you more than the next Patriots game. I want you more than a promotion on my job. I want you more than a prestigious position in my field. I want you more than a degree. I want you more than, than uh, friends. I want you more. That's the motivation that will propel you on the path of your destiny. I want you more. Paul said it like this. He said, everything else is done. I've realized that. Any other passion isn't worth it. I've counted it worth less than nothing. My passion is to progressively become more intimately acquainted with Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like how Jesus said it. Now, wait a minute. God is wonderful. We all agree on that, right? Everything he makes is wonderful. He made you. You're wonderful. So would his destiny, would it stand to reason that the destiny, the place that God has called you to stand, the person that God has called you to be, wouldn't it stand to reason that that also is wonderful? Wouldn't it stand to reason that that's more wonderful than anything you could ever hope for? More wonderful than anything you could ever dream up of or create by your own efforts. More wonderful than anything this world could offer you. Doesn't that make sense? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10, verses 38 and 39. Verse 38. And he, and he who does... This is the Amplified Translation. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. And he who does not take up his cross... And follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conforming wholly to my example in living. And if need be, in dying also is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his lower life will lose it, the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account, will find it the higher life. So maybe you're here tonight and you're not on the path of God's destiny for your life. Why not begin now, tonight? Tonight, Father, I give you every dream, every ambition, every talent, every gift, everything I've ever hoped to be. And I realize that anything I could ever do on my own is the lower life. And I want the high life. I want your purpose fulfilled in my life. I don't want to leave this planet without fulfilling the destiny that you purposed for me before I was in my mother's womb. Hallelujah. So giving your whole self to God is not a fearful, frightful, oh no kind of thing. You couldn't put yourself in any better hands. Isn't it funny how we think, if I give God this talent or ability, you know, I'm going to lose it. Or if I give God this hope or dream, it's never going to happen. Do you know that no one's more ambitious for your success than him? That's the truth. No one wants you to do well more than him. Do you know that? I mean, really know that? 
If you know that, you won't hesitate to give everything to him. Put it in the master's hand. Put it in the author's hands. Let him write the book of your life. So this storyline that God has for you is wonderful. It's good. It's beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine. You don't want to miss this. It's why you're on the earth. In fact, the author said these words through a prophet many years ago named Jeremiah. He said, I know the book that I've written for you. It's filled with plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Who put that thought in your head? Unfortunately, it's, it's preached in a lot of pulpits across the, the nation and world, but God doesn't say that. I, don't have plan, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, not to, to put tragedy in your life. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and confidence in a future that you might have an expected end, that you might wake up in the morning full of joy and excited about what lies before you. I came that you might have life. He spoke through another prophet, the prophet of prophets. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. To the full, till it overflows. That's God's destiny for your life. Hallelujah. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Let's see if we have time to read one more scripture. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2. Stay with me. Grace, God's empowering presence, be to you. And peace, untroubled, undisturbed well-being, from God the author, our Father, and from the Lord, the prototype and finisher, Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father and author of the best-selling book of you, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us. In him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined, as I read this, does this sound good or bad? Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure. Good pleasure. Right? According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Good or bad? Two thumbs up, right? In whom we have redemption through his blood. Good or bad? The forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, 
how rich is the glory of his inheritance in the saints, being predestined, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Wow. Chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto Good. Boy, that word comes up a lot in the Bible, doesn't it? Especially when you're talking about the Father. Because He is good. Good works, right? For we are His works in creating Christ. He's under good works, which the good God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to wind it up for tonight. But two weeks from tonight, I'm going to share with you the bestseller two. Okay, part two on October 13th. So we're going to wind up and I'm going to, sh- I want to help share some things with you. For 21 years now, I've been on the path to the fulfillment of my destiny and there's no other place I'd rather be. I'm in the center of God's plan for my life. And it is sweeter than anything you could ever want. But I want to help you. So I want to give you some... some um, practical steps, some concrete steps that you can take to ensure that you're not only on that path, but moving forward on that path. Because the Father wants you to fulfill the best-selling book He's written about you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. We thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy and Your grace. Lord, we really have to sometimes make ourselves realize how good you are. We have to resist thoughts that we have that are negative about you. Because, Lord, we've, we've believed things about you in the past that weren't true. We've heard messages from pulpits, maybe in the churches that we grew up, that weren't true about you. But the reality is, God, that that there's nothing bad about you. In the morning, O Lord, I will order my prayer to thee. In the morning, O Lord, I will order my prayer to thee and eagerly watch. For thou art not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Thou wilt make known to me the path of life. Father, I pray for your people and those within the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, you've been speaking to us tonight. Bring your words to fruition in our daily lives. May your words blossom in our hearts that everyone within the sound of my voice would gladly give their whole self to you every dream every ambition every hope every talent every ability and every thought flood the eyes of our heart with the light of Christ and thy Holy Spirit that we would leave here knowing that we have a destiny in you a place that you've called us to stand the 
the person that you've called us to be. And that there's no place sweeter. There's no place more desirable, more satisfying, more thrilling and more fulfilling than that. In Jesus' name.